Greetings and welcome to the podcast show, Touching People for Heaven, with your host, Preacher John. God bless you, my good friend. I pray in the name of Jesus that there will be something here in this episode that you can use in your life, in the life of your family, and in the life of your friends. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Are you ready now? Okay, let's get started. This is episode number 24, number 24, and it's titled, He was praying in a certain place. He was praying in a certain place. He being Jesus. Jesus was praying in a certain place. It's based on Luke 11, verse 1. Today is Thursday, April 4th, 2019. I'm recording this podcast from Boulder, Colorado, down uh, towards the downtown district, or I could say probably the historic district. It's about 9, what time is it? It's 9.13 p.m. It's uh, 51 degrees in Boulder, Colorado right now, partly cloudy skies, and it's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful evening. We are finally getting rid of the snow and the cold weather. It's been a rough winter in Boulder, Colorado, and I can hear a lot of people say they are looking forward to a real spring and a real summer. So I am one of those who are looking forward to a new season coming up. So today is an interesting uh, talk. The title is, He Was Praying in a Certain Place, Luke 11, 1. And I'll read it from the King James Version. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Did you know that there are 14 places in just the book of Luke that talks about prayer? 14 places. Yeah, I just now looked it up. I picked this little title, or probably the truth is the Holy Spirit showed me the title (laughs) of today's discourse. Oh, well, you know, God is good. Praise God. (laughs) We always need to be in the process of learning. We'll never learn it all. And learning is good for our mind, it's good for our spirit, it's good for our body. You know, that sounds about right. Learning keeps a lot of bad things away from us. Learning. What a great word that is, learn, to learn. And I'm only referring to good things to learn, not the bad things to learn, okay? i make a distinction between the two. There are two kinds of things to learn, good and bad. In today's um, schoolwork, there were 86 verses to study. And throughout these verses, I kept seeing some very powerful lessons that we all can learn. (laughs) There's that word, learn. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I've got uh, the tea today is uh, I'm back to my ginger celestial seasons tonight. It's, wow, man, it is. Actually, I have three tea bags in this cup, three of the ginger tea bags. I like a strong tea. Tastes pretty good, too. Mmm. Man, I just love a hot cup of tea and love talking to you. I love these uh, shows. I love these episodes. I love sitting and, and, and sharing from my heart. And I'm doing it because 
I'm doing it because I feel led of the Spirit of God. I feel a desire to share. I feel a desire to give. I'm not asking any money for these. I'm not asking for you to do anything. I'm not asking. This is not manipulating. I'm not doing anything to coerce you to do anything. I mean, I guess I am in a sense. I want you to listen. But if you don't want to listen, that's okay too. You can, you know, do whatever you want to do, actually. (laughs) So um, learning. Isn't that amazing? Upward learning. So as I kept going through the schoolwork today, and I, I kept seeing something very, very interesting to me, and it kept coming to me that if we could just pray effectively, then everything else here, all these verses and lessons that I'm learning, would all fall into place, and we could do, and we could be doing everything that Jesus said to do. So, learning to pray the right way is the way to go. Amen? Oh, praise God. There are 13 verses in the context of our single verse of Luke 11. 1. They go from Luke 11, 1 through Luke eleven thirteen. And right up front, I'll tell you the punchline is the last verse. So if you want to stop here, just go to Luke eleven thirteen, and that's it right there, pretty much. There's another one too, but that's that that's the big punchline. Sort of makes sense though, since Jesus said the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You know, in Matthew nineteen thirty, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's the words of Jesus, not the words of John. <laughs> Luke 11, 1 says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You know, as he was praying in a certain place, seems to me that there was some very powerful praying going on. There must have been some physical signs that indicated that Jesus was praying, not some tiny little prayer, but a prayer that moved things in the spirit and in the physical. There's lots of power in prayer when it's correctly executed. So when Jesus was praying, it was almost, well, let me rephrase that. It's also, let me rephrase it again. Day three? No. (laughs) When Jesus was praying, it also must have made an impression on one of his disciples to the point that he had to speak up and ask, what kind of prayer was he doing that was making such a stir? You know, it's not recorded that way, but if you simply take your time and read slowly and deliberately, like I always say, then it shows the Holy Spirit that you truly are seeking the truth in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. When this happens, the Holy Spirit moves in and gives the understanding, and things just begin to work in a much, much better way. You know, and I'm not going to go over the things that most Christians have heard in church. I bet you thought I was going to talk, Oh, my Father, rich in heaven, hallowed be that. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Believe me, I'm not that way. I'm a trucker, been preaching on the streets and in truck stops and docks and you name it, out there in the fields, preaching to, to uh, the workers, the pickers, and <laughs> I'm, I'm not one of those church preachers, believe me. <laughs> so, you know, teach us to pray the Lord's Prayer and all that normal stuff. We have all heard that, right? I mean, really, why go over the same stuff over and over? <laughs> like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. (laughs) Let's get able, guys, okay? Let's get able. If we keep feeding on milk, then we'll never grow up and be able to feed on the meat of the Word of God. Let's stop this milk feeding and get serious about the kingdom of God. That's one of uh, that's one of the huge problems with churches. They never stop feeding you milk. And you know why? Is because milk is easy to take. It's easy to digest. It's easy to feel good inside. It's easy to deliver milk. It's easy to feel full. And it's warm and fuzzy all over. Yeah, full-on milk. (laughs) How gross. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm not ready to throw up here. (laughs) However, the moment the pastor teacher begins to feed his flock the meat, M-E-A-T, meat of God's word, people get sick. Not physically, but they can't stomach the heavy truth inside God's holy word. Because if they did begin to eat the meat, then they would have to begin digesting the truths that point to their sin and rebellion. Yeah, point to their love of the world and the world has to offer as riches and splendor and glory that satisfies their carnal mind and body. This is where... Sorry to say, folks, this is where a huge portion of the body of Christ is sitting. I, I pray that you're not there. And I beg you, my dearly beloved, leave behind the milk and reach for the meat that God so truly wants to give you. Amen. Luke 11.1 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Our verse here says that the disciple asked Jesus, the Lord, to teach us to pray, not just to pray, but teach us like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Do you know that John the Baptist was in spirit Elijah the prophet? Think back on the acts and deeds and prayers of Elijah. I mean, one time Elijah prayed and there was no rain for three years. Then he prayed and there was rain again. I mean, Elijah knew how to pray and get things done. Read and study. You can read and study uh, 1 Kings 17.1 
and it kind of goes all the way through to 1 Kings 18.45, and other verses that talk about Elijah. That's E-L-I-J-A-H, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. It's kind of a hard word to say, Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite. He's, that's, that was his, uh, that was where he's from, Tishbite. And there are huge lessons to learn by studying this miraculous prophet of God. Did you know that he didn't die? He was caught up in a whirlwind in a chariot of fire? Yeah, pretty cool. He also was found up on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus transformed himself and Moses was standing there. And guess who was standing next to him? He and Moses. That's right. Elijah was standing there. See, John the Baptist had already been beheaded. Fascinating story. The Word of God is, to me, the most amazing, miraculous book to study and not to take lightly. The Word of God is the meat of God's Word. Oh, kind of like that. <laughs> How we pray may not be, or rather I should say, the techniques on how we pray may not be as important as, let's say, other critical components of prayer. Why do I say that? I get it from what Jesus taught his disciples and indirectly to each of us. Also, Jesus' disciples. Did you know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you too are a disciple of Jesus? Isn't that great? Wow, praise God. When Jesus began to teach, and my friend, if you're listening and you are not a believer of Jesus Christ, it's a simple prayer. You know, when I prayed 45 years ago, I, I just said, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. That's all I, I just, that's all I said. I said, Jesus, if you're real, here I am. That's based on Acts 2.21. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that cry is a cry from deep inside your heart. You are crying like a child who's been hurt and the mother hears the child's cry. You know, mothers hear their child's cry. There could be 30 kids in the playground, and their child cries, and that mother of that child hears that cry. Well, God heard my cry and saved me that amazing day. So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, become a believer right now. Amen? Just get saved and get it done and get it over with, okay? So, when Jesus began to teach on how to pray, he only gave what we can count as three verses of Scripture. <laughs> this is, and I remember, we're in the book of Luke. There are other verses and count numbers in other books, but we're in the book of Luke, okay, the Gospel of Luke. So we could count three verses of Scripture. Then he went on and gave us nine verses of Scripture that is the meat of God's Word. Remember what I was saying just a moment ago? Let's stop feeding on milk and turn our attention to feeding on meat. In our contextual verses of Luke 11.1 1 through Luke 11.13, of these verses, the milk is verses 2, 3, and 4. That's it. The meat is verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's incredible. <laughs> you see the difference between milk and meat? 
People want milk because there's only three verses. Who wants the meat when there's all these verses to look at? I mean, it's like three times as many verses. That's the meat. And people just want the, you know, I just want, oh, just give me two or three verses and I'll be good. Well, what they're really telling you is I just want the milk because, you know, I just want to stay a baby in the Lord. I just want to be sucking on my mommy's, you know, I just want to be a baby the rest of my life. (laughs) You see how silly it is when you really get down to it? Get into the meat of God's word and really get into it, my friend. Get into it. You know, I talk a lot, as you can tell. And I seemingly say very little in lots of words, huh? Well, it's because... I'm not an intellectual. I'm a common laborer, a truck driver, 40 years of trucking, and I have a slow mind. Therefore, it takes lots of going over and over something for me to learn it. That's why I always tell people when I teach the Word of God and, and anytime, I, uh, type, uh, anytime I do ministry uh, and, do my, and do teaching, that the best way to learn is to discover D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R, discover. Not to have someone teach it to you. To me, that means that you're actually borrowing, B-O-R-R-O-W-I-N-G, borrowing the knowledge. When you discover something, you own it. It's yours. You found it. And nobody, can take that away from you. It's yours forever. If you borrow it, then it's not yours to keep. Plus, you have to pay interest to the lender. You know, the Word of God says in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. In Exodus twenty two fourteen, and if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. In Deuteronomy fifteen six, for the Lord thy God blesseth thee, as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, 28, 12, it says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Period. (laughs) Period. Luke 11, 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. What I really want to cover in this discourse is just two keys to praying that will give us more power than we will know what to do with. How about that? Does that sound good? Key number one of two. So we got key number one. Persistence in solicitation. 
persistence in solicitation. Uh, This is an abbreviated definition from the dictionary, and I'll tell you the word in just a second. And it's also to the point of annoyance. It's also to the point of annoyance, also dictionary. The word we're defining is importunity, I-M-P-O-R-T-U-N-I-T-Y, importunity. It's in Luke 11, 8. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Period. (laughs) When we don't give up and keep asking, but not asking the same way nor the same words, but in a, let me say, thankful expectant heart and mind to the point that you can see the answer to your prayer? Of course, it's probably not the exact replica of your answer, but it's how the Holy Spirit has planted that into your spirit. You need to have a desire or a need or something that is required, and it's something that when you talk to God about it, it's as if he said yes. And the yes comes in the form of a peaceful heart, a warm knowing that all is going to go as planned. It's all going to be all right. Amen? It's all going to be all right. Persistence says you don't give up. Even when you become tired of praying and you begin maybe to doubt, don't do that. A way to stay persistent is to say, thank you. Those are mountain-moving words, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you are not just two words and eight letters in the English. They are spirit-filled words and impact and produce after their own kind. Your spirit puts the power into these eight letters and two words. It's not your brain that does it. For out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. For out of the heart come the issues of life. John 7.38 says, And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the issue of life for me right now is to drink a sip of tea. Oh, man, that ginger tea is really good. Sorry. <laughs> it was a commercial little break or a little break time. Okay, break time. No, not kidding. Just kidding. Don't, no, don't turn it off yet. I'm not done. <laughs> so how long does it take? To get prayers answered. The shortest for me is one second. The longest for me so far has been 31 years, which still is unanswered. You ask, how long do we need to pray for something? You pray until the burden of prayer lifts. I'll say it again. You pray until the burden of prayer lifts. You never stop praying. While the feeling of weight of responsibility to pray is upon you, 
to stop praying because it's been a while and well you've been you've heard preachers say that sometimes you know God says no <laughs> don't for a second believe that doubt-filled answer of God says no if God told you to pray about something by giving you an indication or an unction in your spirit, then in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, don't you ever think God is saying no and wants you to stop praying. This is serious business, guys. Praying is not what most think it is. I never stop praying. I'm praying in the Spirit as I type it, this under my discourse. As I was typing, I was praying in the Spirit. Kind of hard to pray in the Spirit now I'm on the show here, but... I was praying, <laughs> and I pray all day long, every day, 365 days a year. I'll never stop praying. Why? It just seems silly to stop. I mean, why stop praying? <laughs> why stop praying? There, there is no answer for me. There is no answer for me to stop praying. There is no such way that I could ever stop praying unless I go to heaven. So what moved the disciple? to ask Jesus to teach them to pray. Look at the verse again in Luke 11, 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Amen? Okay, key number two of two. This is the punchline that I mentioned earlier. Here it is. The Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Wow. Wow. Everything we get is from the Holy Spirit. That's it. You've got to get the Holy Spirit, my friend. The more the Holy Spirit that you have, the better your prayer life will be. The level of power to pray is the amount of the Holy Spirit you have inside of you. If you have just enough spirit to get saved, then your prayers will get answered. But it won't be what you're thinking. No. This is why the majority of Christians don't have much of a persistent and consistent prayer life, because all they have is enough of the Holy Spirit to be born again, which is saying a lot. Believe me, if you stay right there and never leave the Holy Spirit, you'll go to heaven based on your answered prayer. Isn't that great? Wow. So, that level of Spirit is enough to get your prayer of salvation answered. And the time it takes for the at answer, the answered prayer, is one second or maybe a few weeks, depending on what's going on in your life and what the Spirit wants to do with you. But if you pray for two weeks and quit because you begin to doubt that any of this is real, well, things won't look so good for you later on, my buddy. It just, it just don't do that, okay? Okay? Good. Don't stop asking for salvation. The more you ask, the greater and deeper your cry and the greater your hunger for God grows and your faith is growing too. And great 
things are happening that you just can't see at the moment. Get saved, my friend, and stay saved, and stay with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In the authorized King James Bible, there are 510, 510, 510 verses that have a form of the word pray, P-R-A-Y, pray. With that size of a number, do you think that God wants us to pray? Do you think God wants us to learn how to pray? Is prayer important to God? If this is the case, then is praying important to you? Just asking. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us. Gifts are free. If a person is given a gift, then never opens it, will they be able to enjoy the gift? If the gift has many drawers and boxes within boxes and levels within the gift, and then a person only opens the first drawer or the first box or opens the first level, will that person receive all that is within the gift? Is a gift given to the wrong person? And when that person opens it and never takes it to the person whose gift it is, are they doing right or wrong? Can a gift from God be taken back to God? Can someone who receives a gift from God return it to God? Is God required to give you a gift? What gift do you have now? Luke 11, 1, and it says again, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Luke eleven eight, And I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Luke eleven thirteen, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If there was just one thing you could take away from this talk, let it be this. Ask your Heavenly Father to give you the Holy Spirit. How much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Well, I think I've said enough to get you guys started in the right direction, discovering your life of prayer and your life with the Holy Spirit. May your Heavenly Father give to you May you receive the gift from the Heavenly Father. May your life be overflowing with abundance of answered prayers. God bless you, my dear friend. Have a great day. Good night.